This is Redemption Radio with Pastor Cody King of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. Here's a preview from Pastor Cody of today's message. Oh, I forgot that. Oh yeah, I should consider that again. It's more than that. There's actually a deeply spiritual component to this. This reminding is to get stirred back up into spiritual action. That's what it is. That's what exhortation does, is it causes you not only to recognize, oh yeah, this is something I should be doing or I should be staying away from, but that I do something about it. There's activity that comes along behind it as well. You see, we never graduate from the gospel. God's Word is the source of perfect truth about salvation. Pastor Cody is going to show you how Paul went to the very basics of God's grace and forgiveness in the book of Romans. Everyone is born in sin, and that sin separates us from God. Jesus came to earth to live like a man and suffer and die for your sin so you can be saved, if you believe in Him and confess of your sins. When you stray, being reminded of the truths of God's Word like Paul did for the Roman church can help you get back in His will. Now. Turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 15 and join Pastor Cody for today's edition of Redemption Radio. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15, verse 14 is where we're going to be at together today. Our big idea as we look at Romans 15 is this, the gospel message is God's gift to you and God's gift through you. God's gift to you and God's gift through you. So go ahead and open your Bibles if you haven't already to Romans 15. Romans 15, 14 says, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and in deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and in wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and around about to Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ." And so I have made my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Verse 22, for this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they were they are their debtors for the Gentiles having been partakers of their spiritual things. Their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that 
when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, and that I may come to you with joy by the will of God, and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. We're going to break it down into two parts. Verses 14 through 21 is the first part. Gospel work is for everyone. And then the second piece is 22 through 33. Gospel work is a partnership. So those are the two kind of parts that we're going to be breaking down together today. Now chapters 12 through 15 of Romans, the section that we're in that we're finishing up today, is focusing all on the will of God with direct answers to the questions, what is God's will for my life? What does God want from me? What does God expect from me and my life? And we saw last week in chapter 15 verses 1 through 13 is the idea of God's hope in you. And if you remember last week, one of the things I used as an analogy was to say, I really hope in and out opens soon. And praise the Lord, it opened this past week and I have the t-shirt to prove it. So I had to wear it today because I was like, hey, the Lord answered my prayer. And so, you know, God's hope being placed in you was the idea of Romans 15, 1 through 13. But today, the second half of Romans 15, it's focused on God's hope through you. Not just God's hope in you, but God's hope through you. That you're not just a dam that's welling up all of the blessings of God in your own life, but that God is actually blessing you for the sake of blessing somebody else. That he wants to have his blessings flow through you. It's like what he said to Abraham in Genesis 12. Do you remember that? When God meets with Abraham and he says, I'm going to bless you. Then he says that in you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. That God's point was not just to bless Abraham, but that Abraham would be blessed and he would be a channel through which the blessings of God could flow. That there's more work to happen. You see, Jesus' work for you is what qualifies you for his work through you. That Jesus has redeemed you. That's what the gospel is. The gospel message is that you are lost in sin. Jesus' blood was paid for your life to purchase you from sin and death. And that in doing so, he makes you his own. He cleans up your life. And he sets you on a new path to where your life isn't about you. It's not lived for your things and your glory and your stuff. But instead, it's lived for him. It's lived for his things. And that he wants to use your life to affect other people for eternity. And so we see that Jesus is doing this work. In John chapter 13, verses 14 through 17, Jesus said it like this. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you this example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master. Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them, right? Jesus didn't say, now that you know these things, God will bless you for memorizing them. God will bless you for studying them. No, we do study, we do memorize, but we don't do that for the sake of simple memorization or just for the sake of simple study. That there's something else that takes place. There's a doing that needs to happen. And Jesus calls his followers to emulate his servant-hearted actions. He, he literally, Jesus literally washed the stinky feet of the disciples. He got down on his hands and knees and he took the garments of a servant and he took the lowest and most despised position to benefit somebody else. And so that's what Jesus is calling us to do. You see, only half of your discipleship can come through these moments. 
this kind of teaching sort of thing, or reading your Bible, or listening to somebody preach on a podcast, or reading some sort of commentary, or some sort of book about the Bible, or whatever. The learning academic side is only half of what you need to know. The other half of what you need to know can only be accessed through the lowly door of the servant. And you got to get on your knees to get through it. There's no other way to get through that door. It's a small door. You have to squeeze through it. You got to get down on your hands and knees to make it. And I don't know when the last time you got a 50% on a grade was, but that's failing, right? You're not doing well if you only get 50%. And so this call that we see is a call to action here in Romans chapter 15, the second part. Paul is saying, here's what I do and here's what I want you to do. I want to call you into this ministry as well. That ministry isn't just something that they do but it's something that we do. It's something that the church is called to do together. So let's look at this first part, Romans 15, 14 through 21. Gospel work is for everyone. Verse 14 says this, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. You see, the church at Rome was a vibrant and healthy church. It was one that had no major issues to address. And if you were with us through the book of 1 Corinthians, you know that that is a very stark contrast to the church at Corinth. It was issue after issue after issue after issue. So bad, it was so bad in Corinth that Paul had to say, hey, when the world looks at the church and says, that's nasty, you know you got some problems, right? Like the world should not look at the church and say, you guys are jacked up. We wouldn't even do that stuff. But that's the way it was in Corinth. This isn't how it is for Rome. Rome is a solid church. They're established. There's no major issues for Paul to address and to correct with them. And his confidence is high in the believers. And so as he begins to close this letter down, he basically says this, I know that you know all this. It's kind of how I feel almost every single Sunday. There's a big group of you that you already know all this stuff. Everything I'm going to say to you, it's none of it's new. It's not like there's this brand new thing that you've heard. Now, maybe for some of you, that's that's the way that it is. And praise God, I'm glad you're here. If you've never heard any of these things before, if this is all brand new revelation to you, well, I'm so glad you're here. You're our welcome guest, and we'd love to serve you in any way that we can. But for the vast majority of us who are here, this isn't new stuff every single week. You've already heard all of these things. It's not something that's brand new. You see, but in the middle of that, God does unveil new things to you, doesn't he? Isn't there usually something... He sort of brings it into focus a little bit better, or he helps you to see it a little bit more clearly or whatever. And and that happens because of a number of things. Number one, as you mature in Christ, you understand things differently, right? The same way that when I explain how to do stuff to a seven-year-old, my seven-year-old kid, it's different than the way I would explain it to my child when they're 16. They're just not the same, and it's different than the way I'm going to explain it to them when they're 30. There's just very different levels of understanding based on their maturity. Secondly, sometimes the perspective of somebody else really just helps you see things differently, doesn't it? Sometimes just the words they use, the way they say it, you're like, man, I've never really thought about it like that. And it helps you not necessarily see something new, but to see it in a new way, to see it from a different perspective. And then thirdly, as you increase in biblical literacy, you're going to understand other parts of the Bible better. The more you understand about scripture, the more you understand about Romans, the more you're going to understand Genesis. The more you're going to understand Daniel, the more you're going to understand uh, James, because scripture works all together to keep us moving in the same direction together with that. So look at verse 14. He says this, he says, I'm confident in you guys. And then he says that you're able to look at the end, admonish one another. 
The idea of admonishing one another is this. It's to warn or to exhort. He says, this is something that you guys are able to do. And this is a very important, very necessary one another ministry within the church. We need to be able to admonish one another, to exhort one another, to warn one another. Hey, you probably shouldn't go that way. Hey, you're saying these things and that doesn't line up with what scripture actually says. Hey, I've noticed this pattern in your life and I just want to point it out because I love you enough to say the hard things. You see, it's an important way that we can serve others. Proverbs 27, 6 says it like this, wounds from a sincere friend are, are better than many kisses from an enemy. You see, when a friend wounds you, it's not because they want to. It's because they want to help you, because they want to serve you. It's because they want to do something that's going to be beneficial for you. It's kind of like the way that a doctor, when a doctor performs surgery, they kind of have to hurt you to help you because you've got to cut that decay out of your life. You see, the problem we have with this is that most people refuse to do this admonishing in a godly way. That's why we have a hard time with it. We don't want to do it in a godly way. Instead of serving others in humility, we do it either in cowardice by not approaching them. And so we talk about people instead of talking to people. That's cowardice. That doesn't help anybody. All that does is sow discord and division among the church. And so we've got to talk to people, not talk about people. Or we do it in a sense of arrogance and pride and say, listen, I'm here and you're here. I'm up way high, you're down low, and I look down upon you and I tell you how terrible you are and how great I am. None of those are helpful kind of things. Those aren't what this is talking about. You see, godly admonition is on a leash. See there in verse 14, the two things that hold the leash of godly admonition? It's goodness and knowledge. Goodness and knowledge hold the leash of godly admonition. If it's not according to what is good or true, then it's just your flesh. It's just your desire to say something that you want to say in order to, I don't know, vent or whatever. But Proverbs 29, 11 says this, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. See, the problem isn't that we don't say enough. The problem is too often we say too much. We don't hold back on what we're thinking. We don't hold back on what we're feeling. We just vent everything. And Proverbs says, that's what a fool does. But someone who's wise, they measure that and they think about it a little bit. And they say, is this appropriate for me to say? Do I drag people into this or do I not? When you're admonishing someone, essentially you're confronting them. Anybody like confrontation? You feel like you got the ministry of confrontation? If you do, you're the wrong one to confront people. You shouldn't like this. You shouldn't be like, I can't wait to get them. You know, like that is not a godly thing to do within the church. But sometimes there's just no way out of it, right? You're just thinking, oh, I have to say something to this person. I've got to go to them. I've got to say something. How do I do it? Well, here are four questions that I think are good to ask yourself before you admonish somebody, before you confront somebody. Four things that are appropriate before you jump into this. Number one, is it needful? Do you need to say this? Not do you need to, like you have a feel, I just need to say this. No, no, no. Is it necessary to actually bring confrontation into this person's life? If it isn't necessary and it's just your opinion, then you have to ask yourself this. Why do I want to say this so badly? What in me wants to say this? What in me wants to confront them so much if it's not necessary? So secondly, not only is it needful, but is it helpful? 
Does it actually help them? Is this serving them? Is this advantageous for them? If I bring this to their attention, am I serving them with this? Am I helping them in this? Or am I looking to take them down or looking to point out something in their life so I feel better about my life? Thirdly, is it profitable? Is this thing that I'm going to say, is it profitable? Does it build them up? Right? The idea of building one another up, edifying one another in the church is absolutely necessary component to this. And so if it's not building them, then what am I doing? Well, I'm tearing them down. Right? If I'm not building them, then I am tearing them down with this confrontation. And so they may not feel like it's building them up. Kind of like when you go to the gym and you're sore afterward, you're like, man, I just got wiped out. I don't feel like I'm built up at all. But the process of that is actually building you up. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but it is. It is actually building you up. And then fourthly, here's the final one. Is it humble? Is it humble? What's your attitude going to this person? What is the motivation of your heart? Are you looking to establish your ego, establish your dominance, establish your greatness by putting them down? Then all of these are things that you probably should not confront someone. And so there are four helpful questions I've found that are good for me to kind of walk through. Should I bring this confrontation to someone? Notice verse 15, he says this, Nevertheless, brethren, I've written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. He says, I know you guys get all this stuff. I know that you guys grasp this. And I know that you guys are already participating in this one another ministry of spurring each other on toward love and good deeds, as Hebrews says, that you're provoking one another into more and more godliness. And yet, I'm going to remind you anyway that none of us are above being reminded of the things of God. None of us are to the point to where we're like, yeah, I got it. I've heard that before. I don't need to hear it again. It's something that is necessary for us to be reminded. But being reminded is more than just rethinking a thought. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, yeah, I should consider that again. It's more than that. There's actually a deeply spiritual component to this. This reminding is to get stirred back up into spiritual action. That's what it is. That's what exhortation does. Is it causes you not only to recognize, oh yeah, this is something I should be doing or I should be staying away from, but that I do something about it. There's activity that comes along behind it as well. You see, we never graduate from the gospel. We said that at the very beginning when we started Romans, that this whole book is really just an unfolding of the depths of the gospel. And that's what we've seen all the way through, even to here to chapter 15. And we never graduate from the gospel, but we do tend to drift from it, don't we? We tend to drift away from the simplicity of grace, that I didn't do anything to earn my place in God's favor. I didn't do anything to gain the kind of love that God wants to give to me. He just gives it to me because he's gracious. That's it. I can't earn it. There's nothing I can do to make God love me more. And simultaneously, there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. And we drift from that, don't we? We start to think, oh, thanks for getting me into the family, God. Now I'm going to work to keep myself here. Now I'm going to do stuff to make you like me more. Look at how much I serve God. Look at how much I give God. Look at all these places I've gone. Look at all of these things that I do and and the way that I live so sacrificially for you, God. Look at all those other people. They're not doing the things that I'm doing. And what we've done is we've exchanged grace for law. Now we've gone right back into the thing that God has saved us from. We tend to drift from the gospel. We never graduate from it, but we tend to drift from it. we got to be reminded because gospel truth is for everyone. 
It's for everyone. It's just as much for believers, for those saints in Christ, as it is for those who've never heard of Jesus' name before and need to understand that his death and burial and resurrection is for them. That it's good for us to hear the gospel. It's good for us to be reminded about the gospel. It causes us to come back to where the Lord is. It's for everyone. Verse 16 says this, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You see, this activity of preaching the gospel and reminding the people about it is a ministry that God has ordained Paul for. Specifically, he says, to the Gentiles. Now, Jew and Gentile, what that means is that there's Jews, those are the people of Israel, and Gentile means literally everybody else from every other place on the planet, from every other ethnicity. And so he says, there's Jews, and then there's everybody else, and he says, God has ordained me for this ministry, specifically to the Gentiles, of which mostly the church in Rome is made of. Right, They're mostly Gentiles, and so he's actually ministering to them in his calling as he writes this. You see, being a minister of Jesus, it's not a perpetual vacation. I know that some people think that. They're like, hey, man, it must be so good to work one day a week for you. You know, like... If that's what you think, then you have no idea what ministry is about. It is not, you know, coming to Sunday and like flipping on some lights and, hey, I'm just going to say whatever pops into my head as we read through these verses. Like, that is not how ministry works. It is not a perpetual vacation. It's not rainbows and puppy dogs. There are some great pieces, great things to ministry, and I love being able to be a minister of the gospel. And yet, there's some other things. There are some other things that are difficult because there's the part of saying hard things to people who need to hear them. Nobody likes doing that, and I get to do it a lot. There's this perpetual ministry of confrontation. It's necessary, it's good, it's appropriate, and yet it's one that we typically avoid. And Paul's saying, hey, this is the ministry that God's given to me, to be in this controversial place, to preach the gospel. The gospel's controversial, right? It starts with, God's perfect. And then the contrast, you're terrible. That's how the gospel works. Nobody likes to hear that. Our world preaches the opposite, doesn't it? The gospel message, the false gospel message you're hearing all day, every day, from the media, from movies, from whatever, is that you're actually great. You don't need to change. Everybody else needs to change. Um, You don't need to change. God needs to just take you how you are, and then we need to change society in order to accept you. This is the false gospel that's constantly being preached all the time. And so when you actually preach the real gospel, God is perfect. You are not. You deserve hell. Gosh, that's controversial, isn't it? That just stirs people up to the, you're a jerk. Well, don't shoot the messenger. I didn't make it up. I just read it in there and I'm telling you, right? That's how this works. And so the gospel message is controversial. So then you add another layer. Hey, the Jewish Messiah, he died for the Gentiles too. Now, you know, Paul's in this no man's land of everybody hates me, you know? The Gentiles hate me because they're like, you know, God's supposed to be loving and kind and just accept me as I am. That's just not how it works. That Jesus had to die in order to receive you and accept you. And then secondly, that this gospel isn't just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles too. Those people that the Jews thought God made just for firewood for hell. Them, they get to be saved as well. And so it causes all of this controversy, all of this strife and anxiety. You see, there's no gospel apart from understanding that your sin is highly offensive to God. And admonition is controversial, but it's necessary. 
We need to be pointed out to say, this is sinful. You, you can't have this in your life. Jesus died to remove that from you, not to give you access to it. And so this uh, verse here in 16 is a very priestly verse. If you see that, he's like, I'm a minister, ministering the gospel. That the offering, he's bringing an offering to God. And the offering that Paul is bringing to God is the Gentile believers. And he wants to make sure that that offering is acceptable to God. That God wants to bring the people of God to the Lord as a sacrifice unto him. And it's exactly the same ministry that God has given to me here at Redemption. To bring God's people before him as an acceptable offering. And so that means I get to provoke you. I get to be controversial with you. I get to admonish you. And it's something that we need to take up as a mantle to do with one another as well. When you encounter a huge chasm or large canyon, it's hard to imagine that you could be connected to the other side due to the space and distance between where you are and where the other edge of the canyon is. But it's reassuring to know and to hear in Romans that nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've been listening to Redemption Radio today with Pastor Cody. As he's been teaching through the book of Romans, you get some insight into God's heart for you. There's no limit or no point where his love will come to an end when it comes to God's love and devotion to you. Do you find that hard to believe today? Read Romans 8 to remind you that God's love for you is endless. It's not like a human love that can fail or disappoint you. God's love is above that, and He cares for you better than anyone. Have you experienced that kind of love by God? We sure hope so. One of the most important ways to experience the love of God is through His family, the church. If you're not connected with the church, we invite you to join us this Sunday at Redemption Calvary. Head over to our website to get more information on directions, times, and even to subscribe to our podcast. Go to redemptioncalvary.org. We hope you'll continue learning and growing through this book of Romans. Pastor Cody will be back again next time to continue where he left off. So make sure to tune in again here on Redemption Radio.